This is the Breaking Bad Advice podcast, the show that is dedicated to helping you stay rational in these irrational times. Here's where I remind you that the following thoughts and conversations are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Please reach out to your financial professional at Plan Financial to discuss your unique situation and circumstances. All right. Well, welcome everybody back to another episode of Breaking Bad Advice. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a question that we get quite often here at Plan Financial, and that is all about um, savings and saving specifically for college. And uh, we'll go over some of the saving strategies um, and options that you have today to um, put money away towards that goal for you or your child or maybe your grandchild. But before we do that, Isaac and I are going to take a dive into some of the numbers and some of the trends that we're seeing today when it comes to the cost of college tuition. With that being said, Isaac, welcome back, and uh, let's go ahead and jump on into it. What are you seeing today uh, when it comes to the trends in college tuition and um, uh, the things that come along with those costs? Yeah, thanks, Joel. It's uh, it's good to be back, and this is a an interesting topic for a variety of reasons. Um, and I think we're going to touch on some of those and then we'll, we'll get in, as you said, to some of the saving strategies that, that people can maybe employ if they want to want to go this route. But uh, really just to give some background, uh, what we've seen, and I don't think this comes as a surprise to anybody unless they've been living under a rock for the last half century is, that, you know, college costs have been going up for, for a long time now. Um, and even adjusted for, for inflation, They've, you know, they've outpaced the inflation rate since the 1980s by, you know, five times. So, um, really, they've just been going up, up, up and away, uh, and and really with no, um, no meaningful reversion during, say, hard economic times or recessions. Uh, they just seem to persistently go up no matter what. Right. Um, right. And uh, and yet, um, you know, at the same time, what we've seen is that the the salary, when adjusted for inflation. Uh, of those who graduate from college really uh, hasn't hasn't improved at all over the last you know 40 50 years that's really gone sideways um, and so you know it's it's a question to have right off the bat is well okay if the college education a college degree was um, you know valuable in 1980 and here we are 40 45 years later and the cost has gone up five times the salary has remained essentially the same. Um, is it still worth it? Right. <laughs> right. Well, you look at this chart that we have here in front of us and medical care costs have gone up, you know, 300%. That's one of the big things that everybody talks about today. College tuition and fees up 570% over that time period. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and at the same time, CPI is up just over a hundred percent. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really outpacing, I'd say the average American's ability to pay for it. Um, and there's a there's a reason for that, um, you know. Primarily, we would say a, a big reason for that is the the involvement of the government uh, in in the cost of of college funding. Right, the government's been involved since the really the 70s um, with uh, you know subsidizing loans right. <clears throat> um, through the uh, uh, through Sally May and some of the other institutions that provide these federal student loan programs. Um, so they they subsidize them with lower interest rates, subsidize them with um, deferred payments, right? So a lot of college 
uh, kids don't have to pay until after they graduate. Right. And really, really quick, uh, that's without thought to any kind of return on the quote unquote investment to them. I mean, there's there there's no underwriting involved with it. There's not a, hey, what what degree are you going for? What does that look like for your future? And we'll get into all that right now. But that's, yeah. you know, for the government, to them, it doesn't really matter what the return is for them. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, you can uh, you can get a $250,000 degree from a prestigious university majoring in, you know, underwater basket weaving. Um, and, uh, and it, and it qualifies you for, you know, one particular job, which is teaching underwater basket weaving, right. maybe, maybe being a YouTube star. I don't know. That right. might be something on YouTube these Never days, but these days. yeah, but, but really, you know, that's, that's a, that's not an economic, um, uh, th- there's no economic rationale behind that kind of a cost for, for a degree. Obviously, I don't know if anybody's actually offering an underwater basket weaving degree, but, um, there if, are some, if not, I'm going to start offering one. <laughs> there's a market for it. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of uh, degrees out there that simply don't have uh, a real job market available. And yet people can take on massive amounts of college debt, uh, to, you know, only to graduate with essentially no job prospects or very, very poor job prospects. Right, um, right. and, uh, and so, you know, yeah, it's, it's a legitimate question. Is college worth it? Because when the cost continues to go up, the return stays essentially the same, uh, that, that, that at some point you have to question, uh, whether it's worth, whether it's worth doing anymore. Right. right. So, so we've so. kind of answered the question of, of is, uh, is college worth it then? But then in your opinion, if it is, when do you when do you think it is uh, worth going to and putting you know twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in debt into it? Yeah, twenty thousand. That's a that's a deal. Well, uh, that's Joel. for one year now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that's a good question. And I think you alluded to it earlier in terms of you know when people are taking on this debt now, there's no sort of um, connection made to the the future salary that these college students are gonna gonna have, and so. Um, you know, that's, that's where we would, we would start is to say, Hey, well, when you're, when you're thinking about getting into college and you're thinking about the costs that are going to come with it, what are the expected starting salaries of the, uh, prospective jobs you're going to be qualified for? That's where, you know, the conversation should really start. Now that's not the only factor, but it's certainly one of them. And I have some information here. I looked up, uh, on indeed.com what the, what some of the, the, you know, the top college uh, majors that are in demand for 2023 are, and, uh, you know, just to give us an example, I mean, here we are. So nursing was uh, number one, not surprising. Yep. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of people were probably burnt out during uh, COVID and there's a shortage of, of, uh, you know, nurses. Um, and the starting salary is roughly 60,000 is what I what sure. find, you know, um, then we have it number two. Uh, I'm just, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but you know, number two is culinary arts. Uh, which is, you know, starting salaries lower, usually in the forty to fifty thousand dollar range, um, and that's not for your McDonald's uh, position. It's it might be, you know, nope. slightly they more have qualified the robot than that. now that flips the burger for that's you. That's right. That's right. Um, and uh, and then we, at number three we have computer science, uh, which has a starting salary of you know around a hundred thousand, and uh, and then you have following up at number four and five is uh, business administration around 70,000 and then accounting at 60,000. So, yeah. you know, just again, just to give us a sense, these are what people who are majoring in these degrees could reasonably expect to get if they find a decent job upon graduation. That's a question in and of itself, uh, you know, whether they'll be able to do that. But 
if they do, that's kind of the the range in which they can expect to uh, to be compensated. But obviously, is what we're what we're looking at here is not all these degrees, whether you're in nursing or business administration or culinary arts or computer science, not all of them are created equal. Um, you know, but if you're going to a, a university that offers degrees in these various subjects, they're not going to distinguish in terms of the cost that you're paying between those different degrees. So you, as the individual, uh, you as the parent who's maybe getting ready to send your kid off you really have to take it upon yourself to say, okay, let's, let's think about the, the potential return we're going to get. Um, what are they charging us for this? And, and you know, where are we headed, where are our kids headed with this? Right. And um, that's, a, that could be a hard question to answer. Obviously when you begin saving for, let's say your child, when they're just born, you say, Hey, I want to start up a college savings fund for them just because, you know, I know that over the next 10, 15, 18 years, we want to be you know putting away small amounts that will eventually add up to a larger amount. That's where I think the saving strategy comes into play. And we're going to discuss these here right now. Um, But that's when picking the correct option may give you the best flexibility down the road to actually ask those questions a couple years prior to actually going to college. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's good. You're, you're jumping ahead a little bit, Joel. Sorry, Come on. sorry, sorry. No, no, Get that's excited about it. Fired up. <laughs> yeah, fired. Too excited to. Yeah, no, I think that's that's exactly right. Um, the fact that things are changing so much too. I mean, I don't think anybody 20 years ago, uh, you know, or 18 years ago, whose 18 year old is getting ready to go to college, could have foreseen. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. If you if the 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 amount of government involvement in college education today right. indicates to us that the prices are likely to continue going up. Sure. But I think the extent to which they've gone up probably surprises most people. You know, in twenty in two thousand five, I'm sure people weren't expecting college rates to have gone up, you know, two hundred or three hundred percent. Right. Um, but you also bring up a very <clears throat> valuable point there, and that is that a lot of people we can't forecast what the jobs of the future are gonna be. Not right. 15, 20 years out, we can kind of forecast, see where things are heading. But, you know, we laughed about the kind of McDonald's example, right, of the automated burger flipper. But, you know, we were in Bakersfield, I think it was last year, and there was, uh, they have the kiosks now. And instead of going up to the counter and ordering with a physical person, you use the kiosk to place your order, and then they make it back there for you. Somebody came up to us and asked us, hey, can I help you with that? And I'm like, no, I, I got it. I can do this. And I think the point through that is is that the jobs of the future are changing. And a lot of the degrees that many colleges offer uh, to go into debt, you know, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars um, aren't what they um, crack. They're not what they're cracked up to be as far as what they could potentially pay out in the future. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that, and that goes back to the question of, you know, depending on which area uh, your 18 or 19 or, you know, 20 year old is wanting to go into whether college even makes sense for them. Obviously there are certain sectors of the economy, certain types of positions where, you know, a degree is required for certification purposes or whatever. Um, but there are other areas of the economy that don't, don't need that. Maybe you just need work experience or you need, need some sort of vocational certification. Right. Well, for the nurse, for example, I don't want a nurse coming in that, oh, I think this intestine goes over here and that the body works this way. No, I need them to come in knowing exactly how my body works. And therefore, you know, going to college to become a nurse actually can make sense. <laughs> Whereas somebody who, you know, can be an entrepreneur. Yeah, there's a lot of great lessons you can learn in college for that entrepreneur degree. But there's also a lot uh, to be said about the um, experience that you gain in the field that can carry you through that that career. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, um 
those are good points. And, and I think that's where, so just kind of circling back to what we were talking about in terms of is college worth it or when, when per se, is it, is it worth it? Um, obviously I would tie whatever cost somebody is putting into the college. It should be tied to some extent to the, the job that they're going to, um, you know, potentially prospectively get, um, one general rule of thumb that I've, I've found to be somewhat helpful. Uh, and again, this isn't a hard, hard rule. Um, it's, it's just a, a, a general gauge is that if you, um, but after you graduate, the total cost of the degree that you're getting, um, if you can, within 10 years after graduation, pay that off or, you know, yeah, comp- basically you're compensated for that cost through your expected starting salary um, by taking only 10% of that salary and paying it towards the cost. Um, I just said that in a very convoluted way. Let me give you an example. <laughs> um, if you graduate with $100,000 of uh, student loans, or you, the degree costs you a hundred thousand um, dollars, and you you graduate, but your expected starting salary for whatever position you're looking for is a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, then if you can pay that off over the ten years using only ten percent of your in, your income, then uh, it's probably worth it. Sure, uh, you know at that point, uh, it still may not be depending on your circumstances, but at least I would say it's there's a reasonable case to be made that economically that that makes sense. Right, and if if student loan payments today actually began right now, they're you know on pause. If they began, it'd be kind of scary to see how much of somebody's income would be going towards paying down that student loan debt. I would venture to say it can be anywhere from thirty to fifty percent. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, and and for many, maybe more, right? Because there's a lot of people that get a hundred thousand uh, dollar degrees and uh, and are working at McDonald's. Right. Right. Uh, so th- that may be podcast for another day just the student debt crisis alone yeah yeah that's a that's a whole other animal but i think you know i think the rule in general uh, is helpful just because it it uh, it's provides somebody with uh, a way to quantify hey is this even in the ballpark uh you know obviously if you can you know graduate and get a hundred thousand dollar salary you know prospectively by you know and and only spend say fifty thousand dollars on your degree well then you're you're ahead of the game because sure. you're you're going to be in a much better position um but all of a sudden i you know i've seen it where people come in with degrees in uh history okay sure. when there's nothing wrong with history degree i love history but um you know your job market is somewhat limited there in terms of teaching and writing and that sort of thing and the pay isn't necessarily the best at least not for college grads and if you just racked up a hundred thousand dollars in debt, or you spent one hundred fifty thousand on a degree, you may be in a bit of a pickle there, uh, right. you know, over right. the over the next ten twenty years. Right. And when we talk about these numbers, we're not just talking about the tuition alone. I mean, there's obviously a lot of other costs that come along with going to college, books, uh, costs of living. Sure. And we we substitute <laughs> that with okay, well, what happens if you weren't going to college, and what happens if you were just going right into the workforce? and you were working towards whatever goal it was, but not taking out that student loan debt. So that's where we come up with, the, you know, 100 and Because a lot of colleges today might be in the forty to $50,000 range. Sure. There's a lot of other costs, uh, you know, the opportunity costs. We won't even talk about that, but that's right. another major cost that goes sure. into it. Yep. Yeah. I, um, and, of course, there's a lot of de- degrees or a lot of colleges out there that will be two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars sure. as well. So, sure. um, yeah, there's quite a spectrum, but I think in general that's a good Good rule of thumb. Yeah. So, okay, Isaac. Let's say you sit down with your son and you go through everything we just talked about, 
and you say, okay, we've addressed this, this, and this. It's going to make sense for you to go to school for this. We're going to take out this much uh, in debt. If that's the case, when it comes to the saving strategy, what, what are, what's your view on the different vehicles? I mean, there's a lot of different vehicles out there. Today, we're going to talk about three of the main ones. Break it down for us. Let's say you made that decision. Okay, we're going to move forward. What does that look like? Yeah, so uh, obviously in most most of our cases, we're talking with parents of young children that are thinking about college savings over the next 15 years or so, right? They've got a two-year-old or a one-year-old, and they're thinking ahead and going, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> obviously in our situation, um, we you know oftentimes are talking to parents of young children, and so they have uh, you know 15 years. 20 years potentially uh, before their kid's going to be off to college. And so they're thinking ahead and looking at college expenses right now going, okay, if college costs, you know, 50 grand right now, it might be 200,000 by the time my kid's ready to go. What do I need to do to start saving? Um, And so there are some vehicles out there and we're going to talk, talk about them right now. Um, We obviously have our favored uh, depending on your circumstance and, and we'll get to that. But, um, just to real briefly, maybe summarize a couple of them. The, the most popular one that people are usually familiar with is the 529 plan. It's available uh, in every state, um, and uh, donors can contribute up to 17000 per kid as of 2023. Uh, they are, um, and some, some states actually provide for tax benefits. So if you live in uh, Pittsburgh, for instance, there's, a, um, <clears throat> there's an income tax in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, you actually get a deduction when you contribute. You don't get a federal deduction on your taxes, but you can sure. get a state deduction. There's there's some benefit there. It's not a huge one. Any in California that you're aware of? Unfortunately, no. Got it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, California uh, with higher high tax rates uh, don't actually provide us with a tax deduction of 529. So, um, but they do also provide tax for growth. So you get the money in there. It grows tax deferred. Uh, and I say tax deferred. As long as you use it for educational expenses at some point, um, then you never have to pay any taxes on that growth. Ordinarily, you know, when you invest, if something grows, uh, you would have to pay capital gains or you'd have to pay interest on any sort of, you know, investment returns. But in a vehicle like a 529, all of that is uh, deferred. And then if you end up using those funds for education, you actually don't have to pay any taxes on them. So that is one benefit as well. However, the the limitations on the 529 are... Um, sometimes a, a, a downside that we, we want people to be aware of. One of them, obviously, is that uh, they have to be used for educational expenses. Now, recent tax law did change to where 529s now can be used for K-12 through expenses, and a lot of people are now taking advantage of that because they don't want to go through uh, you know, another lockdown or they're looking for alternative forms of education for their young children. 529s are a good way to, to fund that. But uh, it's still put some shackles on you uh, when you get to, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. What if your kid decides they don't want to go to college or what if they qualify for a scholarship? Right. Uh, you know, right. there's any number of things. And, and the, uh, really quick, the beneficiary can be changed. Yeah. So uh, if you have multiple children, you can shift it down to, to younger children if the oldest one doesn't need okay. it or doesn't want it for some reason. But still at the end of the day, must be used towards uh, educational purposes. Exactly. And, and worst case scenario, you have a bunch of money left in there with your you know last kid that goes through college. Okay. You, you end up paying some some taxes on the growth and and uh, you know you end up um, losing some of it to the government. But right. but it's uh it's, it's an okay vehicle. It's not a bad vehicle. We, right. we do have, uh, we utilize them for our clients, uh, but it's not our first choice. 
So uh, the second one that's very common is the Coverdale ESA or Educational Savings Account Plan. Those are similar to 529s. They can be used for K-12 through expenses as well. Uh, the additional benefit is that you, unlike the 529, where you kind of are held captive by the investment options that the state provides with a, uh, or the, the custodian with a five, with a Coverdale plan, you can actually direct the investments yourself. So it gives you a little bit more freedom. However, with a Coverdale, there's a $2,000 per year limit on the contributions and there's also income limitations. So if you make too much, you may not be able to contribute anyways. So there's some limitations with Coverdale's as well. Right. And that, you know, that leads us to our uh, next, last, and favorite option and way of uh, saving for college as an alternative to the other two, and that is the Roth IRA. Isaac, tell us a little bit about the Roth IRA and how um, you know, people are able to utilize that um, to save for college. Yeah, thanks, Joe. So the, the Roth IRA, a lot of people think of it as a, uh, as a retirement vehicle, and it, and it really is. I mean, it was designed to be a retirement vehicle. Most people think of it that way. So just to clarify for anybody who's not familiar with the Roth IRA, traditional IRAs, you put money in and you're supposed to keep it in there until you turn 59 and a half per IRS regulations. Then you can take money out and you're taxed then. So you get a tax deduction when you contribute now, but you pay taxes later when you pull it out at retirement. Roth IRA kind of flips that around. You put money in now, you don't get any sort of tax benefit, but the money grows, that the investments grow tax-free. And as long as you wait till 59 and a half, you can pull the money out in retirement and you don't pay any taxes on the contributions or the growth. Right. So it's a great so, vehicle for retirement. Idea being you're younger, lower tax bracket, pay taxes now. When it comes out 18, 20 years later, you're in a higher tax bracket, tax-free. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a perfect it's a perfect way to kind of you know squirrel away a bunch of money when you're younger savings, and and then let it compound over a 20, 30, 40 year period, and then when you get ready to retire, you can take take money out there and uh, or you know take distributions and and you don't pay any taxes on it. So it's a it's a great vehicle, especially because we all know the government's broke. There's a good chance uh, tax rates are going to go up in the future, and uh, so you might as well, especially if you're younger today take advantage of that. Go ahead and bite the bullet, pay the taxes now, but but get the tax-free growth over the right. long run. So so tell us a little bit of some of the limitations because obviously this is it can't be too good to be true. There has to be some some limitations uh, with the Roth IRA. Yeah, well and and in terms of uh, you know, retirement obviously there there are, are other vehicles out there to save for retirement such as 401k's and and those sorts of things that maybe have higher uh, limits. So one of the downsides of the Roth IRA is that you can only contribute up to $6,500 a year um, for if you're under 50. If you're over 50, you can do up to $7,500 a year. So so the limits are, relatively speaking, lower considering, say, 401ks or anywhere from you know, twenty to twenty-seven thousand uh, dollars that you can you can contribute into that. So so there is a, a, a limit. Um, there's also income limits. So if you make too much, you may get phased out of being able to contribute to a Roth IRA. I believe this year for the Roth IRA, as of 2023, uh, combined, it's for married filing jointly around 230,000 or so, and about 140, 150,000 for a single Roughly. filer. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's based on modified adjusted gross income. So, um, but, you know, some people may be asking, okay, but you're talking about a retirement vehicle. How does that equate to college savings? Well, one of the cool things about a Roth IRA is that you can go ahead and save into it, um, and, uh, and, and it can be your retirement vehicle. But uh, 
as long as you've had your Roth IRA open for five years, you can actually pull earnings out for a variety of exceptions. So you can not only with a Roth IRA, you can always pull your contributions out tax-free, no penalties, which is a great, a great feature of the retirement vehicle as well. But after five years of the account being open, you can actually pull out earnings in addition to the contributions uh, for a variety of exceptions. One of them being like first-time home buyers. There's I think, medical expenses. One of the main exceptions is educational expenses for you, your spouse, or your children. And so what we often encourage people to do who qualify for Roth IRA contributions and they're looking to save for college for their kids is take advantage of this great vehicle because if you go ahead and put money in there, you're getting tax-free growth. It's in your name, which means you retain complete control over these investments for your kids. And if they end up not needing it when they get to 18, 19 years old, well, that that's great for you because now it can either be your retirement funds or you can use uh, some of it to bless them. That's why you just don't tell them about it until <laughs> they may or may not need it, right? Or, or you can do that. So. <laughs> well, it seems like uh, with the Roth IRA, just a lot of flexibility um, whether your child decides to or decides to not go to college, um, it allows you to um, use those funds in really any which way or form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I think that's that's why we typically will will go there first for people, um, especially probably if um, you know the client does have a four hundred one k and they have another <laughs> alternative way to save for retirement. And still want to maybe then max out their Roth IRA for that, or not even max it out, but just put money away into that for a, a potential college savings. Yeah, I mean, I think if if they're if if they have the ability to save and they want to save for college, and they're not maxing out their Roth, then in my mind, there's no better uh, no better tool, no better vehicle uh, to to go through than to save into their own Roth IRA because it really gives them the ability either to keep it for their retirement or to give it to their kids for, for education purposes. Right. Well, Hey Isaac, I appreciate your time today. We threw a lot at our listeners today, a lot of different numbers, a lot of different ways to save and a lot of questions to answer before saving for college. So, uh, to you as a listener, I really want to implore you to, if you do have any questions about, you know, your situation, um, a vehicle that you could potentially be saving to, Uh, for college for your kid, for your your grandchild, or for yourself, please feel free to reach out to us here at Plan Financial. Um, We're a phone call away. Shoot us an email. We're more than happy uh, to talk with you and uh, go over your uh, situation. And that does it for another episode of Breaking Bad Advice. As always, you can find this episode along with the latest newsletters and blogs on planfinancial.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay rational.